Recording in progress. I love how that. <laughs> I love how that comes up now at the beginning. That's my favorite new addition to the program. <clears throat> All right, let's do it then. We're recording and is in progress. Now. Tim and Howard here, golf spiritual leader. You know, I ran into Dave Newsom from uh, Grace Stone, and I saw him uh, at the registration of a tournament I was in on the couple of days ago. And uh, when he addressed me as golf spiritual leader, it gave me a very uh, <laughs> gave me a, a warm but you know a fun feeling. A weird. I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's who you're talking to. <laughs> it's a fulfillment. They hear me. They know me. They're yeah, starting exactly. to get my message. I hope. <coughs> you're uh, followers. That's Tim O'Connor. I'm Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show. O'ConnorGolf.ca. Uh, and this is Swing Thoughts, as you know. This is what the uh, this is what the kids are all talking about. Like, oh, another episode of Swing Thoughts? What will they speak of today? What will I learn? Well, I'll tell you what. Let's start with uh, what we're wearing. I like your uh, shirt. You look nice. What do you... You got a little uh, polo shirt on there from uh, JW Apparel, Inc.? I do. This is a fairway in green shirt. Um, it's the second time I've worn it, so the tag is gone. So yeah. I have no idea what the name is. Um, I thought it was black. Sandy says it's something else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, my uh, lady friend Rachel uh, was putting my clothes uh, in order of uh, of colors, like um, a spectrum of colors. And I was fascinated by this because she seemed to know that there was a sort of a gradient. And I was like, what are you doing? She goes, well, what oh, I'm yeah. going to do is I'm going to put them in order so that you know uh, what goes with what. And I said, that's very helpful. Thank you. Um, Fairway and Green, Zero Restriction, B. Dratty, EPNY, Garb, Royal Albatross, and PRG Golf. Those are all brands that our friend Jonathan Wong and JWApparelInc.com represent. Uh, each brand delivers great quality and styling for all weather conditions. Okay. And also, um, a great accessory line that can be totally customized for your club and one that you would be proud to sell. And uh, Tim and I, uh, we will concur. Absolutely. Yeah. PRG. It's amazing stuff. Yeah. And I, I'm wearing um, uh, Zero Restriction. And I've had it on all morning, and I feel unrestricted. I think the cool people said, that's a ZR piece, isn't it? I'm sorry, what's happening over there? Uh, the noise? This yeah. sounds like a... That's, um... It's recycling, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Condo complex. It's not a Sherman tank coming uh, over the bluff yeah. about to blow me to smithereens. Well, I'm glad about that. Because as soon as I heard it, I thought, if he doesn't hear that, and it's only in my head... <laughs> I've got some trouble. We were um, talking about acid flashbacks earlier. Yeah, no kidding. Um, also, you know, what can you say about TaylorMade Golf? Well, I'll tell you what I can say is the uh, the Sim 2 driver is all is all you would want. Uh, I've had a chance to use it now for a couple of weeks, and two things are happening. My ball is going higher, so it's launching higher. I'm not used to seeing it in that part of the sky. I've hit a few that are crazy long for an older man like myself. <laughs> and um, not only do I like the driver, I can also tell you I've hit a couple of three woods and hybrids that I'm like, ooh, that went really far. So uh, I can only recommend it. Uh, Tim as well. Yeah, played by the best tour pros in the game. Tiger, DJ, Rory, Colin Morikawa, and so many more. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn more. Tim? Yeah, you know what? I got fitted last year. I was using a SIM driver. I got the new SIM 2 this year. But I went from a 10.5 to a 9 loft. And so my ball flight's actually a little bit lower but it just seems so penetrating. It's just like, pow. Yeah. And I love it. Love it. And that little fade, um, just, I mean, it gets out there. It's not like in past years uh, with other drivers, it seemed a little bit spinny and kind no, of no, a slappy thing. Now no. it's just pow. Well, that is, uh, not to get too you know technical, 
Because I really can't. I mean, that's one thing. I, of all the areas of golf that I'm intensely interested in, I don't know about you. I've never really been a big, you know, sort of gear geek, you know, in terms of tolerances and spin rates and a little bit when it comes to track, man. I mean, I know my numbers generally, but I can tell you what you just said is I've noticed that with especially the hybrid. It does. It doesn't have that spinny feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think the last couple of TaylorMade hybrids have been different. There's a different sound they make because I hit one in the um, second round of this tournament I was in. It was a two-day, two-man event. And um, on the first hole of the second day at Greystone, I pull-hooked my driver into some knee-high, you know, gack. And I, it was a red stake, so I had to drop a ball. Second shot of the tournament, uh, the day. I'm 233 from the the uh, first green at Greystone. If you know the hole, there's a yeah. hazard right. There's trees left. And I got up there. I'm going to tell you, Timmy, I hit my hybrid, hit it to the front, rolled up to about 20 feet. And I was like, that's a grown man's golf shot right there. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I know I just hit it. I've already had a penalty shot. But this shot I hit with this hybrid, I I was like, I think I can get it near the green, but I got it on the green. I'm being honest. I was surprised. Like, that's a which long, yeah, long 233 is long for me. That pff, I'll say for a hybrid. That's a th- yeah. So which hybrid are you playing? Sorry if I put you on the spot. Um, the, the one they sent me. <laughs> I don't know. I did. I put you on the spot. No, it's like a hybrid. It says hybrid on it. Like, oh, I know. Right. You mean 19 degrees. Yes. Okay, well, I'm playing the Gapper, the G A P R. Yeah, I know it's that my one. My second second season with it. Uh, I love it because it's it's black for one thing. Yep. It looks so cool, but it also makes a sound that I've never had off a hybrid before. When I hit it nicely, it just has a talk solid yeah. sound that I've never had before, and I love it. Yeah, there's, really a, there's a jump the off is, those faces, if I may say. Yeah, Both absolutely. the hybrid and the three would have this kind of a jump feeling, and and that's what I felt on that shot. I'm like, I don't know if this is going to get to the green, but it, it did, which, again, was long for me. My hybrid's about 220. That's pretty good for a man of your vintage. I'm a very old man. <laughs> don't don't play this card, because you know I'm older than you. Which You're is much older than I am. Just, but it's just wisdom. No, I know. Perspective is what I say to my daughters. I go, Daddy's not smarter than you. He's just had more years of knowing everything will generally turn out okay. Love it. Love it. It's good, a good approach to life, man. Everything will be kind of okay. Thanks, man. <laughs> um, I cut you off there. What were you going to say about your um, your hybrid? Or your shot? No, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I feel complete regarding the... Uh, All right. The hybrid conversation? Well, I can tell you I've had uh, my first... Oh, here we go. Don't worry, man. Yeah. It's funny. I had this conversation with my youngest, uh, Spencer. And, and I did say that to her. I said, you know, you're the, I said to her, you're one of the smartest people I've ever met. And I said, sometimes the anxiety you feel is... Um, is is because you forget that you've lived 23 years and generally things have turned out okay for you, you know? You had problems in school and then you fixed them. You had a thing, you know, that's what life is. You have things that happen every day, you overcome them, and then the next day comes and you over, overcome some more things. And how it relates to golf is we keep forgetting that at the beginning of every round, we imagine a fantasy world where we're not going to have to overcome any weird, shitty things that happen in golf. Like going like going into a hazard on your first swing of the second round of a golf tournament that I was in contention in, by the way. This is your experience this week, young man? Yep. Wow. Yeah, and that's the it's the same experience that we and you and I have shared with others that you know, golf is hard, it's chaos. Knowing and accepting that makes it more fun. In the end, um, my met- metrics this year is how many rounds can I play without leaving the golf course wanting to punch myself in the face? <laughs> so, or, or, or do physical damage to your car from the inside. Exactly. Of the car. <laughs> Any number of those things. As I shared with you yesterday, I'm like, I think I'm 15 rounds into the season, including 
pre-lockdown, I have had, so I'm 15 for 15, not wanting to punch myself in the face. So is that like, are you keeping track of this in a journal and comparing it to last year or anything like that? Like you you talked about metrics. I got my stats right here, buddy. Great. I got my stats right there. So what's the acronym for not wanting to punch yourself in the face? Is that a... (laughs) (laughs) I think, well, you, listen, you're a good Catholic boy. Isn't that called self-flagellation, SF? Uh, I don't know if we want to get into that topic on this show. <laughs> okay. SF, yeah. Self-flagellation. Self-flagellation. Well, that's yeah. what golfers do. You know, Totally, like, totally. You know, I played yesterday with a couple of really, uh, one, one of the pros from our course, really good player, former uh, college player. Like, you know, again, one of those kids that mash it. And then two other guys that are just nice players. But on the 10, 11, 12, 13th hole, one of the players announced that this day was over. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it's funny because they, they, they walked ahead of us and me and the young pro kind of were smiling at each other like, I, I don't know, don't we have, do we not have five holes more? <laughs> like, can, can this be, is the day, I said like, do we go home now? Do we, is this it? Because, you know, I'm, do, we get, do we grab a cart and just take, take, me, <laughs> right. take me to the clubhouse, please? Right to the car? But where, where that comes from is the idea that Somewhere in that person's mind, and I can relate to this, that they they didn't remember that it was going to be hard every day. Every day is hard. That's right. And just like Spencer, um, we create this story that things are supposed to be this way. Not supposed to be any other way than I drew it up, or at least I thought about it. And that's not the way it goes. It's like... Oh, it's a cliche, but cliches have values. Uh, the the John Lennon line, mm-hmm. you know, life's what happened to you when you make another plans. And it's that ability to, to, to be able to, to go with it um, that, that makes the difference in terms of what we're really talking about, if you get down to it, is resiliency. That ability to have somebody take a blow. It's like those, you know, weevils wobble, but they don't fall down. That's right. <laughs> Can we take it kind of, whoa, whoa, okay, come back. I mean, one of the things that I learned from you, I forget when it was, years ago, but I remember like, you know, hit some off the world shot or something. And, and my reaction was, well, that just happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, and what are you going to do about it? You know, you could, you could, you, you know, it could be, well, take me into the, um, Take me into the clubhouse. Please hide all sharp objects. <laughs> That's right. Or, or you could do the ch- or the Chip Beck thing would be. Well, how can we make birdie from here? That's right. Um. Yeah, you know it's funny that people used to make fun of Chip Beck's attitude. Like he was always like just so upbeat, nothing ever bothered him. And there's legendary mm-hmm. stories about his resilience. And but if you mm-hmm. look back on it, it was his superpower and a lot of professional golfers and professional athletes have learned through you know either trial and error or training that that it is about how you react once something goes wrong comma something is going to go wrong every time you play a game every day we wake up you know i've got a plan today to do our podcast i'm going to do my golf workout then i'm going to go hit some balls with my buddy casey but on the way to any of those things, something else could come up. Mm-hmm. So good players in golf, or even not pro players, but very good players, tend to contextualize the experience. A lot of what Tim teaches in his webinars and seminars is just that. You know, I, I watched uh, one of your uh, uh, talks, the uh, um, training for your brain. What's it called? I'm sorry, it's. Uh, it's called lower Obe- your score. With no, no, obedience, obedience training, training yeah. golf brain. Yeah. No, but I, I saw the non-golf version. But oh, but right. it, it's all about putting experience into context. Um, and now for this segue, brought to you by Tim's new webinar, <laughs> which is called "What is your one?" It's the new one is called, and by the way, available for purchase. Um, what's the new one called? Well, it's called uh, lower your score. With obedience training for your golf brain, and it's right. an online course, and it's on the Udemy platform. And basically, what it is, it's a it's an online version of the webinar. So right. it allows people to go a little bit deeper, do more activities, repeat some of the guided meditations that are in there, and basically go at their 
at their own pace. But largely what it gets down to is, is what we're talking about. It's just is, is awareness of, of what's, what's going on. And am I either going to react to this thing? The day is over. I want to punch myself in the face. Yeah. Or is it, well, that just happened. And well, let's get on with it. Um, so uh, lowering your scores, obedience training for your golf brain is available. Is there a shorter, like a shortcut to that title somewhere? If you go to, well, I'll work on that. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that little marketing tip. So it's on the Udemy platform, uh, U-D-E-M-Y.com. Yes. Um, it's on that platform. And I'm going to be putting on my uh, website, it might even be available on Friday. We're recording Thursday, the June the 3rd. The, uh, the information to get will be on my website, which is O'ConnorGolf.ca. I recommend it. Like I said, I've, you know, not only do I enjoy your company, but I've uh, been lucky enough to watch you do one of them. And I think it's, uh, you know, it's easily digestible. It's not overly complicated, but it's very profound in that. And, and this is what I want. It's funny that it's not just plugging your thing, but I wanted to talk about context. Context in golf is everything. And and I think it's a pathway to awareness, to your point. Because if you understand, and again, this will be the first, it only took 16 minutes, the first decade <laughs> mention of the show. <laughs> so get ready for it. Because as I've said to you a thousand times now, everybody, nerds, if you know, and I, this, this kid that I played together yesterday, you know, he was the good, other good player in the group. And we were talking a lot about, he, he told me he had a lot of trouble playing college golf because while he was an excellent golfer a bad hole or two would screw his round and this was where we we started talking he and i and i said what i have benefited from beside your counsel tim is now understanding that if i'm 125 yards from the green if i don't stiff it it doesn't mean i'm a bad guy or i suck at golf because now I understand the context of the decade numbers a bit better. So like, you know, and by the way, the other profound thing from decade that I don't think I've talked enough about is winning is a matter of luck. But I would say forget winning. Playing good or well or whatever you want to use is a matter of good and bad breaks. Totally. The problem with our human mind is we tend to only focus on the bad breaks we've gotten. We don't often remark, which as I did to myself on four occasions yesterday, wow, I was really lucky there. Mm -hmm. I've got four good breaks today. I didn't do them. I didn't put them all to good use, but I certainly recognized when they happened. Context, context in the game is everything. Absolutely. And and what you're talking about is, connects with this idea of like how do our brains operate our brains are wired to keep us alive survival that's a key thing so that's so it's always either in the future worrying about something or ruminating about something that happened so it doesn't happen again and so that's where we're naturally drawn so it has this negative bias so like you said when something wrong goes on it's like whoa uh, make sure this thing doesn't happen, you know, duh, duh, ruminate, ruminate, figure it out, and then worry how it could happen. But when something good happens, it's kind of like, we're, we're, for somehow reason, we're supposed to be like kind of, you remember Frank Mahovlich? He would score a goal, the Leafs. Sorry if this is bringing up trauma, people. <laughs> yeah, right, Leafs fans. <laughs> exactly. But Frank Mahovlich would score, and he kind of shrug. It's like, well, I'm supposed to do this. <laughs> and I think golfers are the same. You know, you absolutely nut a couple of drives and yeah, it's, that was pretty good. Throw yeah, yeah. it back in the bag, not make a fuss because, hey, I'm supposed to do this. But, you know, yank one out of bounds and oh my God, you know, like the whole, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Two, two swings for a total meltdown. Well, you look at two of the best players in hockey and in golf, Tiger Woods and Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky was the first hockey player I remember celebrating, you know, with sort of a fist pump. Like reinforcing the positive. Tiger, of course, legendary for that. It's, it's what is it? And we were talking about this a little bit this morning on the Humble and Fred show that negative talk being negative is almost a human, 
um, conditioned in so much that we are conditioned to be wary of others because, you know, to keep the tribe alive. If somebody new came along, we were like, ooh, I don't know, do they have spears and stuff or whatever, you know? Exactly. Wait, it's and, natural to do that. And I used to do this joke. I can't remember how it went, but basically, if I don't know you, I don't like you. That's what people are like. I don't know you. Mm-hmm. And, and it's weird how you, we can be suspicious of people. I've had this experience. You have. Where you're like, eh, that guy seems a bit weird. He's loud, whatever. You know, we have a friend who's very loud and at first might be off-putting. But then you find out that he's one of the sweetest guys you could ever meet. But totally. at first glance, you know, some people are suspicious. But that's human nature. Exactly. Human nature. This, again, it gets back to my point is, is that... Largely, it's the way our brains are wired. Like you said, you know, you're kind of, uh, yes, it's uh, June the 3rd, 2021. But in many ways, if you're on the street and someone suddenly appears towards you and they're like different than us, it's natural to go, whoa, what's going on here? That's instinct. That's instinct. But the thing is, is that we do have free will. We do have the ability to respond. And that's where that awareness piece kicks in. It's like, whoa, okay, I'm alert to something different here. Or this could go sideways. I could be angry at my child. I could do some stupid things. Like I could hurt my golf club. (laughs) But because I have some awareness of what's going on, I can go, whoa, okay, I'm not going to do that. We could do any number of things or, you know, like stress eat chicken wings. I do that. Stressy chicken. I love it. When I get upset over my golf now, I just have extra Chinese food. Um, Context is everything. (laughs) Context. uh, Again, you know, so many things that we've talked about on this show, you know, I, I, I get to experiment with or live in real life. Perfect example. Uh, first round of this tournament, my my partner and I are we're all playing pretty good. The first nine holes, we we play a, a scramble, a two man scramble. We shoot three under par. Both playing very nicely. Both shoot probably Sweet. one or you know we're like both one over for the round. Second nine holes is alternate shot, which is really tough, mm-hmm. and we're kind of struggling like everyone else. And um, because we're using golf genius. I'm inputting the scores, but I'm so on Golf Genius, you can see scores and you can see leaderboard. That's right. And all day long, I never look at the leaderboard. Just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Then we're on the 18th hole and it's alternate shot and we're going to use my partner's drive. And I've got like 143, pretty hard left to right wind, front pin. So I'm going to sort of choke down on an eight iron. I go through the whole thing. But while we're waiting, I look at the Golf Genius leaderboard for the first time and don't you know i see that there's only two other teams ahead of us under par and uh, as i said to our friend charlie fitzsimmons after i said i don't know how many times i need to be taught the same lesson exactly but i look at it and i get all jazzed that we're in third totally. place and we're the only other team, only two other teams under par. I'm all excited about being maybe in the last group or whatever. I don't even come near the green. <laughs> like it is, I'm not, I don't want to brag, but I, I could stand there the, until it got dark and not miss the green with an eight iron. I mean, really. Or, or be close or on the fringe. I wiped that thing so far right. Poor Lars. Like it was all he could do to get it on the green 20 feet. <laughs> and I said to Charles, I go, what is, what is, he said, well, it's not that you looked at the score. That's because some people do that. He goes, you know, yeah. it's that you weren't able to get back in the moment. Exactly. And just hit the shot. Because some part of my brain was still excited or whatever it was. So we end up making a bogey. Now we're in a three-way tie for third instead of being, you know what I mean? Anyway. Mm-hmm. So again, it's just, I tell you that story because, you know, these are lessons that we pass on to our listeners, but they're also lessons that we live every day, you know, staying in the moment. If I, what I should have done is stopped the whole process. I felt uncomfortable over the shot. I didn't like the way the wind was whipping along, but I just wanted to get it over with so we could be in the last group or some bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally, totally. And, and that, that is... That is the hard part. So one of the things that I've been talking about in in my webinars is... Are you talking about obedience training for your golf mind? 
Yeah, um, that thing. That thing. Yeah. So I give people two two tools. One is just to ask yourself, what am I paying attention to? And the other thing is, what am I feeling in my body? And I'll often get comments like, oh, that's good stuff. Yeah. I just got to remember to do it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And so what we're talking about here is, is exactly situations like this that you had happen is that when it's in the moment and like, it's like back to the Jeff Goldblum thing. You know, I forgot my mantra. How do we, how do we ingrain these things so we can use our awareness? And that is by practicing it all the freaking time. That's right. And to me, it's like thing, just doing things like when I'm driving my car, the putting the phone like somewhere where I can't reach it. When I'm doing the dishes, how much can I pay attention to actually doing the dishes, to actually feeling the water, the suds being there? This morning, I woke up grumpy. Yes, it happens. <laughs> I woke up grumpy today. And there's all these the, – so the kitchen was a little bit dirty, and there was all the, the, the dishes were dried, and, and I just went, <sighs> okay, I'll do this. So, but I was aware of my grumpiness. So I just went, okay, pay attention as you're putting all these dishes away. Open the cupboard, put the dish in, grab this, do that. Stay completely there and then wash what's there and be completely there. Not like, what am I do today? I have an email to send to somebody, all this. And of course it does happen. The thoughts come, but I keep coming back, coming back, coming back. So what am I talking about here? Is it, It's that awareness of, okay, I'm grumpy. I don't want to do this. Okay, I've got a choice. I can either react and get more grumpy or I could just kind of chill the F out and just be here. And so that's, the, well, I, I, and and things I love like all that. that. I love that. Cause that what you just described, first of all, I love it. And, um, you don't have to wrap it up in a neat, you know, bow. It's perfect. What I love about it is two things. One awareness is curative. You know, that's obviously a, a GSL, you know, tenant, um, and why it's curative is because through awareness, um, you, you know, everything is available to you. But the second thing that I loved about that is, you know, when people often ask me or you or talk about a meditation practice, you know, what it is, is just that is practicing bringing yourself back to this moment. I, I've been doing this meditation recently. And I can't remember where I got it from, but it, the, the imagery I love is this. The, uh, the guide was talking about how he imagines himself on a bench in a subway station. And is this yours? Nope. Okay. Because I thought maybe it was, for, I got it from you. But I love this image. And so the idea is during the meditation, you, you are, you anchor yourself, which is another meditation practice, you know, either breathing or your body or a combination, whatever works for you. With me, usually it's the tickly feeling in my nose when I breathe mm-hmm. in. I can get that. I can really relate to that. But the, the guide was saying, imagine you're on a bench in a subway station and thoughts come by like trains. And it's fine to notice them, but you just need to let them sort of, you see them, there's the train, there's the thought. It goes by you and you're back on the bench waiting for the next one to come because it will come. And, you know, in a 10 or 15 or 20 minute meditation, you're going to have many thoughts. But the practice is to go, oh, there's the train. And what I do now, I, I I subdivide them from future thoughts, past thoughts. So the train's going this way, it's going that way. And then I'm back on the bench, breathing through my nose. And even though the time in between thoughts may not be, you know, as long as you'd like, but it's the time in between thoughts. Yeah, love that, love that. So what you described there, there's different ways that you could look at it. One, um, I call it, uh, I am the witness, that meditation of just the thoughts coming, like clouds. I love the, or a subway thing, exactly, or, or waves in a river. They just, they keep coming, they keep coming, and I'm, and I'm noting and I'm observing them. Yeah. And that allows me to, to detach, but also what that, what you're talking about, that subway thing there was the skill of awareness. And that's it's the, it. Is that, is, is being aware. Oh, I'm thinking now. What's my intention? To be focused on my breath. Come back to breath, and as happens millions of times. That's right. You drift away. You drift away. Oh, 
I have drifted away. Come back. To me, there's nothing weird about that or anything. That is, I, I can't really imagine that many things that much more practical. But but that is, by the way, again, I'll run and reiterate this. That is the practice of meditation. And what you're practicing, if you can use that, you're practicing is, you know, when I was over that shot on 18 in the first round, you know, that's a... That's about as stock as it comes for me. Like, I have to take something off that shot. And if I'd been truly in the moment, I would have stopped myself. But I rushed through my process. It's why you, so have, it's why you have a pre-shot routine. It's why you do all the things that we do. And, you know, I practice those things. But in that moment, I forgot it. Yep. And uh, again, it's, it's a great lesson, especially if you want to improve in this game. That how you do, I love this too, how you do anything, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Totally. And um, so I've been doing this thing now, keeping my mental scorecard. And uh, I've been doing that. I've been inputting my rounds into the decade app. And, you know, it's interesting for me because what it does to my sort of very quick OCD obsessive mind is during a round and I can show it to you. Like I, I keep, I keep this paper in my, my yardage book and I write down everything that I've done, you know, drive 260 wedge 108, this many feet from the hole. This was my first putt. I do it because it's in, I'm engaging in something in the moment. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. not, and what it helps me do back to today's theme of context is everything. And it goes back to something you and I talked about years ago. I had a really good round going yesterday that I let slip away in the last hour of the round. I, I, I didn't have enough nutrition. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't have enough to eat, but it was also a, at the end of a th- the third day in a row of golf, two days of tournament golf, just to give you guys some context, the second round took five hours and 10 minutes. I don't know when the last time you've played a round that long, but it's very intense. So by the time Wednesday afternoon came and I played the last four or five holes, you know, I sort of bogeyed my way into the, into the house, but I didn't want to punch myself in the face because I understood the context. I didn't have enough nutrition. I'm 61 years old and I got tired. I just did. Yeah. And in as opposed to other years, I'd be like, why can't something's wrong with me? What the fuck? Why can't I finish around? I knew it. <laughs> I went right to Rachel's house and we were having dinner. She said, how'd the day go? I said, it was great. But I said, it's interesting because I three putted the last three holes, not because I'm a bad putter, but I had a 60 foot putt, a 60 foot putt and a 50 foot putt. And I just didn't have the, I just wasn't quite there, but I didn't leave the golf course thinking I was a bad putter. I just went, well, nice, you know, good round. It wasn't the number I wanted, but it was an okay and whatever. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about this season because I was able to put it in the right context and recognize that it didn't mean any of those other things that I would have thought. It meant that I got a little lazy. My legs got a bit tired. I hit three iron shots in a row that were horrible. <laughs> they, were, they were on the green, but they were horrible. Yeah, I sculled a. I had 105 yards to the 16th hole from a nice line in the rough. I sculled it, and it left me 60 feet way up left. It was gross. I thought I put a good putt on it, but I'm still six feet away. Which again, knowing the context from decade at 60 feet, Tiger Woods is going to three putt more often than not. So I'm not Tiger Woods. So I'm going to three putt that putt. You know, you're just going to. It doesn't mean you don't have good weight. You don't need all that other shit that I used to think. So I left the golf course feeling good about it. You know, no harm, no foul. That's how I felt. Again, so, yes, context is everything. Uh, another word one could use is perspective. Yes. And and so you weren't, like, you weren't, like, glomming onto everything with, with thinking this means something. I, th- I, bogey the three or four last holes that means i am less than yeah it means none of that like all the stuff that we do in essence we just invent it's all this stuff that we invent the drama that's going on here and it's only in our heads you know the other thing the other thing is no one cares Hmm. that's why moaning about something it it no one cares and it's just 
further ingrains the negative thing. So folks, don't complain, okay? Just don't complain about your golf, about nothing, okay? But it's having that that ability, coming back to the the awareness piece and, and meditation, and, and I like to use, so there's, there's sitting meditation. You have your practice at home if you do that. And then there's what I call meditation on the run. Yeah, walking you know, meditation. You know, or you're, or just in the, you're in a slow-moving line at the grocery store. Yep. You find yourself going, oh, my God, is, when is this going to be over? Are they going to stop talking? Oh, I'm doing that thing. What could I do? Look around, breathe, let go. It's the same thing, folks. It's that being able to just sort of detach, let it go, and, and then just things just don't matter as much and we don't want to punch ourselves in the face tim you and i played golf (laughs) together on a men's night i'm gonna say it was probably you know four summers ago it was in the early days of the vortex here and uh i had a round where i didn't putt very well i hit the ball great you know and i was all sad and bummed out and i had was asking you for some help and and on and on well, last Can night, stroke? pardon me. Can you look at my stroke? Yeah, exactly. And then on, you know, contrast that with last night. I finished up, and I didn't go to the putting ring because I've been working on my my lag putting, and it's been outstanding. In fact, yesterday is the first round of golf in about five or six that I've had any three putts at all. So I have to look at it as a as a whole. I'll tell you what I did do. I went to the range for 15 minutes, and I I just took a 7-iron and a wedge because I had been hitting a little bit fat, which is odd for me. If I do any mistakes with my shorter clubs, I might thin them from time to time. But I said, as I said to my coach, Paul, on the way home, I said, yeah, it was weird. I, I fatted a bunch of irons because we had been talking about ball position. Well, I'd just gotten them maybe... Again, we're both, you can relate to this, a half an inch forward, everything changes. So I went to the range, hit about, I don't know, 15 or 20 short irons, went, oh, okay, there it is, fine, go home. But I would tell you, there was a time where I would have bogeyed the last three holes and not wanted to go see my friend. I wouldn't have been able to get out of it. I would have called her and said, I don't really feel like it tonight, blah, blah, blah. I just, I felt none of that because perspective and context, and again, decade, what I love about it is I know I had a couple of longer putts earlier in the round that I two putted. I was pretty proud of myself. I had a 55 foot putt. I know it because I walked it off that I got within a couple of feet and I two putted and I thought, you know, there I've just gained. I've gained a stroke because from that length, most people will three putt. So eventually the variance, as they call it, caught up with mm-hmm. me. And so I went bogey, 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 having hit three greens in a row. But they weren't very good shots to those greens. They were all kind of crappy. My point is, I went and looked where the problem was, not where where the outcome was. Because the outcome from 60 feet, I'm sorry, you're just going to three-putt that most of the time. Yep, absolutely. And the, the thing that is really interesting is that historically, when things would go off the rails after a round, I would... I would go, guys, I'll see you, see you in a bit. I got some work to do. Go to the range, dutifully figure out what is going on, what 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 is happening here, got to solve this mystery. And I would just go further down the rabbit hole, just make whatever was perhaps a little bit off that day yeah. worse because I'm seeking salvation in mechanics. And I don't want to sound like, but yes, you need to pay attention to fundamentals and know what's happening and your tendencies. But again, it's it's most of the time what's happening is we're creating things in our own head that manifest themselves in our bodies. And it could be that anxiety. It could be, oh, my gosh. Um, I know a lot of my friends are golf professionals. And one of the things that really bothers them is the thought that they go out to play. Maybe they because they're, they're mostly they're golf professionals but in their capacity mostly managers administrators they're they don't have time to play yeah they might play once a week in men's night or something and so they go out and there's they're three or four over after a couple holes and thinking oh what are these guys going to think about that's me? right I'm a lot of pressure on those pro. guys coming out of the yeah, shop i'm supposed to play great and they're but the thing that i when i talk to them i coach a bunch of golf professionals it's like okay Really, if you sort of detach yourself and you look, you're not much different 
than the people who come to play your golf course. Mm-hmm. You have a business to run. You don't have time to hit tons of balls. You come out, you love to play. And so it's just be aware. Yeah, you have that thought, but you have a choice whether you're going to react to it and go further down the rabbit hole or to respond and let it go. And I'll just finish this. Uh, 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 again, a golf professional that I'm coaching um, sent me a Sean Foley video. And it was co- Foley was talking about this related topic. And Foley, so this guy who coached, you know, he's coached Tiger Woods, all these PGA Tour stars. Sean was saying that when he goes out, and I think this was from about three, four years ago, he says his usual score is 78. Some days 70, some days 72, but sometimes 85. Here's Sean Foley. Mm hmm. You know, regarded as this paragon of golf wisdom, the, you know, the... Timmy, Tim, I just got to interject for a second. Did you do something with your microphone? Because it's just gone a little bit distorted in oh. the last minute or so. Maybe I got close to it and I made No, it I'm just going to let you know, but okay. So just okay. back up a little bit and I'll, okay. and I'll make the volume bigger here. Uh, so okay, finish thanks. up. Yeah, I just want to say, because it was getting a little bit scratchy there. Okay, but I, I just think that it's, we're, it's the same thing. Here's Sean Foley putting a video saying he shoots 78. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sure it crossed his mind that some people would go, hey, wait a sec. You're supposed to be Sean freaking Foley. Coach You're supposed to know Foley. everything. And obviously be a great player. But Sean Foley is has enough uh, faith in himself to not worry about that kind of stuff. Well, because his golf score doesn't represent his ability to coach. There's a reason Tiger Woods called him. It wasn't because he can shoot 70. Exactly. So, again, there's Foley putting things into context. Yeah. You know, another Sean that we're friends of, and I mentioned him, I'm going to go see uh, Casey today. Um, just as he and I, he's kind of been monitoring me a little bit this spring, and I, uh, the, the couple of things I am technically working on are some things I want him to see. But I play a tournament every year with Sean, Casey. I've done it, like, I guess four times now, four or five maybe. Great tournament at Cedar Bray, a charity thing yeah. for his for his friend. Um, God, who's that guy there at Cedar Bray? Just the nicest guy, the head pro there. It's not the fellow who passed on? No, no, no. Um, Ian Webb? No, it's, uh, God damn it. And two old people. Cedar Bray, head pro. Justin. Just, yeah, O'Leary? Leary? Justin O'Leary. Yeah. So it's a charity of Justin's. Anyway, the point is, so there's me and Casey, and it's been Gortner and a couple other guys, good players. You know, usually the last couple of years, it's been me and Sean and a couple, you know, mid-handicaps. But I've played in this thing with me, Casey, Gortner, and another scratch golfer, and Casey shoots 85. But I will tell you, and I've said this to him, I've never been more impressed with somebody who is clearly struggling, because he was, and he is. Because just as you described... Guy probably hasn't played five rounds by September. Mm-hmm. You know, he's teaching every day, but nothing. He never, he never acts like a dick. He, he just keeps trying on every shot on his way to 83 or five or 81, but he just tries and he just, because he, he understands that we understand that his worth as a person isn't if he can play at our level. You know, the guy that I work with the most, Paul Henrik, used to play the Canadian Tour, but I can beat him now because he doesn't play anymore. It doesn't mean that he wasn't a good player and isn't a great teacher, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, Let's shift gears before we uh, run out of time here. Um, I just wanted to run something by you, of course. Um, Just very quickly, some uh, updates. Uh, O'Connor and myself have been uh, training with the super speed sticks now and the PRGR monitor. Uh, can we not say we give it our highest recommendation? Highest recommendation. There Here's it is. Tripod. Get it. Get it. Um, both of us have been having some nice uh, swing speed gains. I, I like it just because it's a great golf focused fitness. And, uh, I, you know, I just, you know, I, I think I'm getting faster. I, I certainly am hitting some, you know, some shots are longer. As I told you on the phone yesterday, I think overall my, you know, it's like about how good are your misses? My misses are going further than they used to go. So great. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so people in my, I live in a condo complex, so oh, yeah. I don't have a, I don't have a fence. So we were saying yesterday, was it yesterday? I think we were talking. Yeah, yeah. So I do my little workout every, every second day. And there's me in the backyard swinging these things, 
first doing my odd little jumping around Brook Benny Bamalan yeah, workouts. Brook Benny warm ups. And I'm thinking that all the, 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 the parents in the neighborhood are going like, okay, see that man over there in Unit 35? You just stay on the other side of the street. Yeah, he's a golfer. We've got a golfer in our neighborhood. He's a member of the cult. I just don't know what's going to happen. It's like but, G, instead um, of QAnon, it's GAnon. Don't, don't talk to them. Exactly. But today, from today's little workout, um, let's see, my last three with the green, the light one. Um, earlier in the week, I was... Uh, 95 and 100, and today my last couple of swings were 101 and 102. Beautiful. Amazing. And we're old men. <laughs> we really are. I, you know, I look around, I was at this tournament, and there was like the senior division, and then there's the young guy division. And I know a couple of guys uh, in the younger division. And I, after nine at Greystone in the second round, I was on my way to the 10th tee and I passed a couple of the younger guys. I'm like, you know, even though they're, they're in their 40s, that's like 15 years younger than me. Then, you know, <laughs> that's like 20 years younger than you and Freddie. That's why I said to Fred, I said, I was, I was playing with a couple of guys who were 57. I thought, 57? That's four years younger than me. I know. How do we get to be this old? Well... <laughs> We're resilient. We'll we'll go with that. Okay. So uh, I can tell you the super speed things, as I mentioned to you on the phone yesterday, I really think they're valuable. And I I like the, I love tracking my results. And uh, anyway. It's a great workout, too. As I said, it's a great workout training for golf. It takes Um, 10 minutes. Yeah. Lastly, on the agenda today, um, I can't remember where I got. I got this quote from, um, from Decade, but I can't remember the book that he references um, but but it's a great uh, takeaway for you golfers this weekend, and that is this. We've been talking about this since the very first show, that lowering your handicap has almost nothing to do with how you swing a golf club. It has everything to do with how many penalty shots, how many three putts, how many two chips. And the quote is, the first mistake is rarely fatal. This is for human beings and golfers. It's it's the first mistake isn't the problem. It's how we get out of, how we react to that mistake. Whether it's you just three-putted a hole and you have to hit the next tee shot thinking about it, or in more practical terms, you've hit it in the trees. Decades says if you're in the trees 100% of the time, you need to get out of the trees first. Forget the green. Par is out of the equation now. Unless you, you know, par isn't, I'm sorry, that's not true. If you're in the trees this weekend, par is still in the equation, but only if you chip out. Because as Henrik says, have you ever make a birdie before, made a birdie? Well, then make a birdie with your third shot. Get on the green, give yourself a putt. So your first mistake is rarely fatal. I really think applies to golf in a very profound way. Absolutely. Your thoughts. Oh, and and that's why I love this game is that it's not just golf. And as you said, the way we show up in one place is the way we show up in another. Think of all the different phases of your life where something happens, trigger, something goes on. You know, your your kid says something and you just like, oh, my gosh. And I remember one of the best things that counselor ever said, if you can just keep yourself from saying, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. It's not always easy. No, no, no. It's that you're on that precipice. But uh, because that that would be the second mistake. A, you're triggered. And then B, the next mistake would really think about flying, for gosh sakes. You're a pilot. Oh, yes, that's right. I I don't mention it often enough. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's exactly the same thing. Oh, yeah. Something happens. You know, you're really talking about a, a mistake could be fatal if you don't respond in a helpful, skillful way yep. to that first trigger that goes on. You know, one of the things that, to your point, and it's true in aviation that the thing that kills most GA pilots, general aviators, isn't the, unless it's a catastrophic, you know, something, you, you mid-air collision, and, but most mistakes, generally, the thing that kills uh, non-commercial pilots is how they respond to emergencies. Because one of the things, and this is a great awareness trick, is one of the things that 
pilots will do is go into instant denial that something's wrong. Mm. And the longer you think that it can't be wrong, that what you're seeing isn't true, is the t- difference between living and dying. Like when you see something, an oil indicator or a pressure gauge or something, and you think, well, maybe it's just the gauge and you start tapping on it <laughs> to see if that's because sometimes that is the problem. But it's it's in waiting for re- it's in not it's disengaging from reality. That is the problem. Um. So I don't know if you know Greystone very well. There's the 12th hole, which is a, a, a I love the hole, but it's one of those holes where they had to redo the, the front of the green because this yeah, no it, it was yeah. such a severe back to front yeah, slope. Absolutely. People yeah. were making nines on it regularly. So they fixed it a few years ago, but it's still very, very hard because the thing does spin from back to front. So there's the tournament the other day. I'm in the middle of the fairway. I've hit a great drive. I've got nine iron, uh, a chippy nine iron, like not my full nine iron to the front pin. And I'm thinking you got to hit it past the flag. I had my plan. I had the decade modifier, seven left of the flag. I hit it exactly, exactly where I wanted to. Little fade. And when it was in the air, I'm thinking, that's a pretty good shot there, Howie. It hit past the flag. It spun off the green all the way down. I had a 30-yard tight lie chip shot. So there's the first mistake. Now, old Howard would have been livid with my bad luck. What a piece of shit. Why wasn't I smart enough to hit it further past whatever, whatever. But I saw it and all the guys are like, oh, man, that dress sucks too bad. And I watched it come all the way down. And here's what I thought. Truthfully, I thought, well, this is cool because I've been working on this shot. Lovely. I said, I, 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 I was, yeah, it's like it sucked, but it's that green, you know, that's going to happen on that green. I could have been two more yards and it would have been, a, 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 I would have had a, a 10 foot putt for birdie. But when I went down the hill, I thought, well, this is cool. I've been working on this little tight light pitch shot. And I get up there and my, again, two chipping. All I thought was, you know, you got to get this past the hole to have any chance. I hit a 20 feet pass, which I thought was a good shot. Now, okay. So I made the putt, which was awesome, which was awesome. But the the bonus was I was never going to make worse than five because I just cozy that little putt down there, happened to drop. But the the real takeaway was I made the first mistake. It wasn't fatal. But I can tell you from my attitude in past shots and other people listening will relate to this. I didn't rush that third shot. I literally thought, okay, this is cool because I've I've been practicing this. I want to try it out. I know what I'm going to do. And I was very, I was very present over the third shot, even though it was a bummer that it didn't stay on the green. I did everything I was supposed to do. I just was there for it. And I allowed myself, didn't hit, I didn't hit it stiff. I did 20 feet because you have to, you can't, I didn't Mm -hmm. want it coming back to me. Totally. And and I and I wish you it, it probably it's as good I, I think it's as good a story if I make bogey as I make par but it's I will tell you this me and a very good player bogeyed for the <laughs> bogeyed on better ball for the first five holes of the back nine we didn't have a very good run going that was the only par we made ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen one par between two guys <laughs> so yeah well there you are laughing about it because it, it was hilarious. Oh, of course it is. You know, I remember my dad and I playing in the, uh, unfortunately, they don't have it anymore. It was the father and son or kid and dad thing, whatever. Um, we were playing a par three. We are actually playing really well at Maples of Ballantry. I think I hit it in the water. He hits it in the water. I hit it in the water. <laughs> and, and, like, we just put our arms around each other and just laughed. But what you uh, reminded me of was a saying that, you haven't used it as much lately, is what's called playing the game. That's right. And that's exactly what you were doing. You were playing a game called golf, and in a game, things are going to happen. That's right. You know, someone's going to get on Park Place and, ah, shit. <laughs> and how are you going to respond to that? And so how are you going to respond to that? So, you know, contrast that to, oh, my God, that wasn't supposed to roll off and it did in, in the self-flagellation yeah, Absolutely. Thing. The, the, it's it's the playing the game and and um, I remember I think I've told this anecdote once before in this show but uh, Ben Kern a legendary golf professional in the Toronto area former director of golf at the Nash uh, at, at Devil's Pulpit former PGA Tour player he talked about a hole at Devil's uh, paintbrush 
I think it's number 11. It's either 11 or 2, par 5. So you hit your drive to the top of the hill. And then the green is actually a double green. And it's protected. It's kind of like it kind of has a hill in front of it that has a bunch of bunkers. But there's space between the bunkers. And Ben said, he says, he says, what you do is you just hit your shot. You land it short of the green and it runs up. And it's either going to go in the bunker or it's going to run between the between the bunkers and run up onto the green. He says, it's so much fun. Yeah, sorry. And I went, what an amazing perspective to have. Context. Yeah. It's like, it's like, I'm going to have some fun playing this game and I'm going to hit it down there and let's see what happens. If it goes in the bunker, I'll deal with it. If it goes on the green, hey, fun. Well, I'm glad you reminded me that that I used to, because it, I have learned that lesson now over time and time and time again, you know, like and and again, back to the idea that context and perspective is what we're talking about today. You know, I on the front nine yesterday, I played really nicely. I have a couple of bogeys and a birdie shot one over, but I'm on the short par five, but we're into the wind and uh, I thought I hit a good drive. I mean, I made good contact and I thought I was going to be in this you know, in perfect spot and I just happened to be in the rough, so it didn't go as far. So I had kind of a hybrid to the green, but I knew I couldn't, like I I was going to be lucky to get it on the green, like it was a few hundred yards, but I, so I hit it and I, it came out nicely, but it's in the rough and I was, and I was like, it was going toward the green and then it kind of blurped into a bunker. Now it's a long bunker shot. So my, my idea was, okay, I'm not going to try and hit this close because if I do and I catch it thin, now I've got a. I don't want it to sail over the green. So I picked a spot about 20 feet short of the hole. And I said, if I get there, then job well done, buddy. And I did. It didn't get closer than 20 feet, but it it, it just set up an easy kind of two putt. And it was like, pars aren't going to hurt you. What hurts you is the mistake wasn't fatal by hitting it in the bunker. But trying to get, you know, we that saying in golf to try and get too cute. Mm, no, totally. That's what happens when you try and do something that's a little bit on the edge. It translates into your body. You love this stuff. You get edgier over a difficult shot. We all do. So, you know, if you're having trouble getting out of a bunker, forget the pin. Just get it out. That lowers your edge level because now you got the whole the whole green is your target, not not that flag. Yeah, absolutely. I, f- I forget what I was listening to recently, but what happens is in our in our culture is that we it's like we we walk around completely disembodied. Yeah, we have this body, this sort of skin bag, if you will, and it follows well, like us that. around. <laughs> the, it just follows us sack. around. Yeah, exactly. It just follows us around. But everything that matters happens up here. Yeah. Whereas, no, folks, it's it's a brain connected to a body and when we and everything starts in the body first i mean this is what yes we have thoughts that trigger emotions but what happens is when we don't become aware of what's actually going on in our bodies then we we don't that's in our blind spot and we don't realize that we've strangling the the grip so hard we got white knuckles or that you you couldn't even put a nail into your forearm you're so freaking tense and so what you're talking about there to me is is being aware of like whoa yeah if, if i can be aware of what's going on like oh yeah if i go for this shot then it's just i'm more relaxed and yeah it's more likely yeah. to do it and i just don't, don't think we pay enough attention to what's going on in our bodies and gail i'm for the last time today i promise because we're going to wrap up in a, a second here the last time i promise i will mention decade here's what i love um back nine I, I hit a terrible third shot to the fourth last hole, middle of the fairway, 126, it was shitty swing, and the ball did the same thing. It came back down, and it was a tight lie to a front pin. Because Decade has taught me, and I counted it off, I was 20 yards from the flag, 60 feet. No, maybe not that far, 15 yards. And I remember the slide from decade that that on the PGA tour from 10 to 15 yards, their proximity is about eight to 10 feet. Let's just say those are the numbers, but I know, I know in my, my brain now that if I just get this up there somewhere, 15 feet or so, that's a pretty good shot. So my stress level of how good I have to be 
in this moment is so much love less now. So I put it back in my stance. You know, I clipped it nicely. I hit it to eight feet and I made the putt. But I just the stress level of that shot, because we all don't, you know, I know a lot of people listening like it when the ball is sitting up in the fluffy part around the green because you you've got some you've got a little bit of um, leeway there. But those shots off a tight lie, they're only to your point. Very good point. They're only as tough as you perceive them to be. To to you and I, we could go around and just put on... I could put a ball on a uh, cart path and you could clip it off there under no stress. No, we easily do it. But because as we get closer to the hole, our, our expectation level rises. But what, what Decade does, and I've said this on the show before, when you understand what reality is, what your expectation should, expectations should be, then, you know... Getting that shot on the green for me, that was, a, that was all I needed to do. Just didn't want to two-chip it. Because we all do that. And then Absolutely. after the round, you go, oh, shit, why did I do that? I could have just got it on the green. <laughs> I all played right. at Oakville, uh, Oakville Golf Club. Uh, actually, I didn't play. I, was, uh, I gave a playing lesson. I walked with a client. and I love being on a golf course and not playing. <laughs> just, just seeing everything. But we were playing with a couple of other fellows. And I, I got to mention this one part. We played with this guy. He's probably been 70, missed playing for a year because he got a new hip last year. He hit a wedge shot, and it was just wonderful to watch. He just spun the club. <laughs> he just knew that he just nailed it, Atta and everything boy. was perfect. And he spins the club. And I just said, I'd love to have you as a scramble partner. That's right. <laughs> that was great. But the thing that I was going to mention was we also have this other fellow who's who's playing in our group and he's just so intent on doing, I could just tell he's going through the pilot checklist before every shot. And you hit some shots around the greens and I'd say, Hey, on the PJ tour, that'd be a great shot. Yeah. And he, at first he kind of looked at me blankly as I was like, what are you talking about? That was not a very good shot. I said, I said that about 50% of the time, that's a good shot. Yeah. Like with the chip shots you were saying about from 20 yards, you get it within five feet. Yep. Like, like everyone else, he's expecting that he hits a chip. It's supposed to be to tap in. Nope. No. Nope. And that just creates that just just gives a, a greater sense of freedom, and just makes the game easier. Well, like I like I said, I, I what it what it's done for me is a reminder. Because again, when you and I took this seminar in twenty, I want to say twenty seventeen, maybe even twenty eighteen. I think twenty seventeen. But I didn't really absorb the expectations part the way I am now, because what it's done is it's taken this sort of weird pressure off me because I, you know, me, I'm very hard on myself, obviously. It's one of my things. And it's made my it's made me feel less. It's made me feel more kind towards myself. I have the distance now. Um from 10 yards off the green this weekend. So count off 30 paces. So it's, you know, one pace. So walk three, walk 10 yards away from the hole in, in, in the fringe. And from the, from 10 yards from the hole on the PGA tour from the rough, their average proximity is five feet, 11 inches. If you're in a bunker and you're 30 paces from the flag, if you hit it inside seven feet, four inches, you're a tour player. So my 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 third shot on that par five was um, well I'll tell you exactly what it was my third shot on the par five yesterday was thirty three yards I had a thirty three yard bunker shot I hit it to twenty seven feet so from twenty five yards on the PGA tour from a bunker their average proximity is ten feet so I was. Almost a third. So I, I'm in the ballpark at 27 feet. It was, it and it was a back pin. So if I had flown it over, I'm screwed. My point is, knowing that now, I went into that bunker thinking, I don't need to hit this close. I just need to get it on the green. I can. I think I can do that. <laughs> you know? yeah, and you have and you have more freedom. There's less tension. It's and you're just more in the moment and, and, and it happens much much easier than oh I've, I've got to do this like in being invested in the result 
Yeah. And that's what it is. And that's why sometimes, I know a lot of guys listening will relate to this, sometimes in the bunker, if you're too invested in the results, that's when you look up. And, you know, by the way, Faldo said something on the broadcast last Sunday. I thought it was brilliant. For you bunker people that are bunker shy, if you're a bunker, you know, and you know who you are, you get in the bunker. These You don't like these shots. The heebie-jeebies. Heebie-jeebies. He said this thing, and it's brilliant. He said, you watch, all you have to do in the bunker is watch the club hit the sand. Because everything else will be fine after that. It's when we, what to your point, it's when we're a little bit like, oh, what's going to happen? Invested in the result. You start looking up early and that's when all sorts of bunker chaos happens. I took a uh, 54 degree sandwich, not my 58. I opened it up just like it was a regular sand shot and I took a hard swing. I watched the club hit the sand. Job done. All, all, all bets are off because the first mistake wasn't fatal. Tim O'Connor... Where do people get your seminar, obedience well, training could, for the golf brain? Just come to my website, O'ConnorGolf.ca, and you'll find uh, the direction to things that you need uh, to see and you're interested in. How's that? That was really clumsy. No, I'll that just... was good. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> sort of. Uh, that was <laughs> really you. good. Um, JW Apparel, uh, Inc.com. By the way, when is the U.S. Open? It's a couple weeks, right? Father's Day. So uh, two weekends, a couple of weeks. Yeah, um, I uh, sent a note. U.S. To, uh, Women's Open is this weekend. Yeah, it started uh, this morning. Yeah, and they're talking about the rough uh, being out of control, and the, so they're getting themselves ready for a lot of complaining. Well, there was a great moment on the first tee. I don't know how they did it, but they had the you know they have the announcements now on the tee the 2014 whatever champion. So it's Michelle Wee, but instead of having the regular announcer, somehow they had a video hookup of her husband and her newborn child, and he's uh-huh. and he did the announcement. It was just such a sweet golf moment. Uh, uh, JWApparelInc.com. Go check out all the different lines. And, of course, as always, our uh, very good friends at uh, Clublink. And, uh, sorry, at Taylor... Of course, Clublink. What was I thinking? TaylorMadeGolf.ca. There's Sim 2 Irons, the TP5 Ball, and, of course, the magical Sim 2 Driver. Uh, play the driver that other people... Oh, there it is. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I was going to... Ex- don't drive in front of... Experience the driver every golfer wants to hit and no golfer wants to follow. See, this is like your round of golf the other day. You've already done the Humble and Fred show. Yeah. Now you've done this show. Tired. You're a little tired. You're not, you're not, you don't have to go onto the range and work on your broadcasting mechanics. You just have context and perspective. That's right. Okay. O'ConnorGolf.ca, HumbleandFredRadio.com. We'll see you next time.